Good morning, I'm Angela, and I will be reading today's scripture, which comes from 2 Corinthians verses one, I mean, chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Amen. Now let's give our full attention to the preaching of God's word. Thank you, Angela. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be here, second Sunday of 2023, and bring to us God's word. And this is a topic that I thought would be appropriate for a lot of us. I know last week, one of our pastors, Daniel, he mentioned uh, that we know last year, 2022, boy, it was a, a tough year for many of us. And so some of us today are starting off 2023, maybe wondering, man, how am I going to make it through another year? I feel utterly burdened beyond my strength. And so I think a lot of us today need some comfort and encouragement, and I hope that this passage will bring that. There's no better passage, comfort, uh, this word, about a quarter, one-fourth of the instances of this word in the New Testament are found in 2 Corinthians. You might say 2 Corinthians is a very comforting book. But even more than that, 10 out of the 29 times this word shows up in 2 Corinthians is found literally in our passage. You might call it the passage of comfort. The first instance of this word, it comes up as Paul opens up our passage with verse 3. Blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. I think the slide shows that uh, this word comfort comes from the Greek word that we actually went over a, a few weeks ago in a sermon on encouragement. Paraklesis is a noun form of this verb that we talked about in that sermon. And the same definition, I'm going to present it to inspire courage in someone so they can be sustained in a difficult situation and move forward to achieve a goal. A lot of times this word is translated comfort, consolation, encouragement, strength, strengthening. So I want you to note that to comfort, it's not just this soft, soothing sympathy to ease things, to make things easier, but it's more than that. It carries the force and the weight of, of strengthening, of empowering, 
of straightening out weak and shaky knees and making them strong. It's, it gives resolve to keep on going. As one uh, comments on this word, a commentator says, this, this comfort is not an anesthetic. It's not like an anesthetic to numb the pain of affliction, but this comfort is more like a steroid shot to help you to push past the pain and keep going. It's not so much the nap you take after you had a Korean barbecue for lunch, although that's comfortable, but it's more like the burst of energy you get when you take that triple shot espresso at Starbucks. And so today, I think some of us, and I'm praying that some of us who need that triple shot espresso for our souls to keep on going will find it today. So three points for us, the purpose of suffering, the power of your story, and lastly, the pattern of storytelling. All right, three P words for us. And so first, the purpose of suffering. We got to start just by acknowledging suffering is a normative part of life, right? It's a normative part of life, not just Christian life, but life of all humans. Verse 4 in our passage, Paul says, The God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction." so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Uh, We live in a world where we face affliction. And this word for affliction is an important word because it gives the idea, this idea of being cornered into a, a narrow place where you're out of options. You see no way out. You feel squeezed. This word affliction has more to do with that internal sense of pressure, of stress. It's what makes you feel anxious, troubled. You can't fall asleep. It keeps you up at night. It's what makes you feel mentally fatigued all the time as it weighs you down. It won't leave you alone. It depresses you. It it, it darkens your outlook for the future. All you see are, are storm clouds. That's affliction. That's what it means to be afflicted. And we all, will, we, we all live that or we all at some point will face that because we live in a world that is broken by sin. It's broken also by our sins. Affliction and suffering, it often feels meaningless, right? It feels meaningless. It feels purposeless. And Christianity, it doesn't claim to have a cure to suffering, but Christianity, it does claim to use it. It does claim to use it. One of the main purposes of our suffering is so that we might experience the comfort of God. It's in our suffering that we often encounter that comfort. Where we're empowered and strengthened to keep on going, to not throw in the towel, to not give up and quit on life, on faith, on God. But also get this. It's also... Another purpose for it, it also is not, it's not just for yourself, but it's just as much for the benefit of others. In other words, sufferers, they find comfort in the stories shared by other sufferers. Right? Verse 6, it said, Paul says, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we're comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. 
Theologian John Calvin, he comments on this specific passage and he says, the riches of the spirit, therefore, are not to be kept to ourselves. They're not to just be held within, kept to ourselves. But he says, everyone, every single one of us, we got to communicate to others what we've received. We've got to communicate. Comfort that we receive is meant to be passed along. And this brings us to our second point. There's power in your story. There's power in your story because your story has the power to comfort others. It can comfort others by the way in which God shows up in your life, in your suffering. And this is why we love stories of grace. We need stories of grace. What are stories of grace? Well, they're called stories of grace because at some point in your life, in my life, in the life of a Christian, it dawns on you, man, I'm not in control. We're made aware of our lack of ability, of our weakness, our powerlessness. In other words, you're made aware that you need grace. And that's why stories of grace are so powerful and compelling because there's nothing more real, nothing more authentic than someone being vulnerable with their pain and their suffering, right? It's suffering often that is so relatable. It brings people, all sorts of people together. And in a day and an age where people are longing for deep connection, there's often nothing better that builds that than sharing our stories to one another. In some sense, you could even say that to not share your story to not share would be to rob others of comfort. It would be to rob them of the comfort that they could have and would have received through your story, through God working in your life. Now today, maybe you've suffered a lot. Maybe your life where you just feel like, man, it's different. I've suffered so much and you've wondered why. Would you consider maybe the opportunity that you might have? Wendy Alsup, she writes in her book, Companions in Suffering. Uh, she's someone who's gone through immense suffering, and she details out her experience in this book, a very helpful book, definitely would recommend it. it. She says, those who have not suffered intensely do not have enduring encouragement to offer those who have. Suffering itself is a conduit to the very ability to comfort. Those who have not yet suffered are disabled when it comes to comforting us in ours. Do you know what that feels like? When you've shared to maybe people who haven't suffered much, it's, they can't relate. Or it comes off dismissive or insensitive. It's unempathetic, maybe tone deaf. I think uh, the book in the Bible, right, Job Job goes through immense suffering and he's known to have friends who were miserable comforters. And my hunch why they were such miserable comforters is, is that they probably didn't suffer much. They didn't suffer to a degree where they would understand Job's anguish. Now I want you to also think if you've ever wondered, man, I want to help people. I want to make an impact in this world. I want to make an impact in the lives of others. Maybe you've prayed that. I know I've prayed that. Lord, use me to bless and encourage people. 
Do you realize what you can say? That's a dangerous prayer. Right? Think about it. It's a good prayer, but it could be a very dangerous prayer. And it's dangerous because that prayer may be inviting God to bring suffering into our lives. If that suffering will make us better able to comfort others, better able to point them to the grace of God. And today, if you're silently suffering, maybe you feel like it's hard to get out of bed in the morning, would you consider finding people, some safe, trusted people, maybe some people you know who have gone through a lot, would you consider reaching out? Often it's our pride that keeps us from revealing our need. It keeps us from sharing our struggles. And because we don't share, we don't end up experiencing the comfort of God through them. Now, to encourage us to do that, I also want you to realize that just because you, someone doesn't go through the exact same uh, situation or what, uh, they don't go through the same thing you went through, it doesn't mean they can't bring comfort. In 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 9, Paul says this, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experience in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. You know, Paul, it's, it's unclear what that specific affliction was. There's a lot of guesses that people will take. But I don't think that's the point. I think Paul's point here is he's trying to highlight the severity, which is why when you see those underlying words, they all have to do with feelings, right? He describes how the suffering felt, how it hurt. And so sufferers may not relate to your exact circumstance, but I do think we can relate to those feelings in those circumstances. And that's why Paul, going back to verse 4, he words it the way he does. The God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. This word all and any, they're the same word, And so in other words, I think a a more helpful reading, it might be something like this. God comforts us in our afflictions so we can comfort people in all sorts of afflictions, all sorts of them. Wendy Alsup says, the unifying factor is the universal nature of suffering in general rather than the specific type of suffering itself. I do want to share a little bit of my own story, and I know some of you may be able to relate, and others, it may not be quite like yours, but I do hope that it would serve to encourage and comfort us as we look at our third point now, the pattern of storytelling. The pattern of storytelling, I do believe how uh, the, the narrative, the arc of stories of grace, how they work are in, the, in this kind of a way. There's four Ds, they'll be unveiled as we go. Uh, But we start with desperation. Desperation. Paul says, for we don't want you to be unaware, right? And he goes on to say, for we despaired of life itself. There's a desperation about the situation. Uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian household. But I did attend church. I attended on and off with my grandma. But uh, at the end of the day, I think what I believe, what I fundamentally believe was you still got to prove your worth to people. You got to be good enough 
to be accepted. You've got to work hard enough to be somebody. I was a pretty shy and timid person growing up. I closed my heart off to a lot of people. Uh, yeah, like today, this morning, what I'm doing now is the last thing I would ever think of doing, right? To be open and kind of wear your heart on, bear your heart open for people to see. That would be like my worst nightmare. I was afraid of failing others, afraid of being judged, unaccepted, rejected. Well, during my senior year of high school, I did, I began dating. I was in a relationship, and in that relationship, I started to open up my heart more and more. I started to grow more vulnerable. Well, eventually, me and my girlfriend at the time, we started to look for a church we could attend together, and that church ended up being Christ Central. 13 years ago, it was known as Sarita's Presbyterian Church English Ministry. And so when I first went, we heard Pastor Harold preach, and we said, we're going to come back next week. And we became regular attendees. Now, at the time, I would consider myself a Christian, but I think I was pretty off. I didn't understand the weight of, and gravity of my sin. I thought I was still a pretty good person. I was pretty good. Well, towards the end of my second year of college, uh, my girlfriend and I were headed into year three of our relationship. And I think at this point, I started to take it for granted. I started to take it for granted. I put less effort in. Uh, I became more demanding. I became more controlling, even manipulative at times. Uh, I'd be so quick to anger when I didn't get my way. And I would say a lot of thought, uh, thoughtless, hurtful words. I was, I was becoming this person that I, I never thought I'd be. Or you might say um, that relationship ended up exposing maybe deep down who I actually was. It just never had an opportunity to come out. And so one day, she ended the relationship. We broke up, and it totally caught me off guard. I was devastated. I didn't see it coming at all. And at first, it felt like, is this, is this real life? Did this just happen? It felt like it couldn't be real. The person who had known me the most, who I was most open and vulnerable to, rejected me. And to top it off, shortly before that breakup, I, uh, I got an injury. I had to get surgery for a broken wrist from basketball, playing basketball. And so it was the lowest point of my life. Uh, broken wrist, broken heart, broken everything. Right? My life was broken, and I had hit rock bottom. And so I understood these words of Paul when he says, we despaired of life itself. That's what it felt like. Felt like a death, a relationship died, the person you once knew totally cut off, a stranger. Right? You had to change your rhythms and routines that were a certain way for like three and a half years, suddenly gone. Right? You can't hit up someone on the phone while you drive anymore. And so my friends, they would encourage me, take your mind off of things, you know, distract yourself. But I, I broke my right wrist, so I couldn't drive, I couldn't really do anything. And to be honest, I, I didn't want to. You know, sometimes when you're sad and in that place of grief and affliction, it feels worse when you're with people who are happy and, and laughing. Right? You feel more lonely. And so in my desperation, I felt convinced to, to try something different. Desperation often can be used by God to bring us to depend on him. 
Our second D, dependence. Paul says, indeed, we felt we received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And so for the next two months after the breakup, I sought out God. I spent hours and hours cooped up in my room, just listening to sermons online, reading the Bible, journaling, reflecting on my life, and praying. And looking back now, this lowest point in my life is, is really where I felt God's presence the strongest. It's a, it's a strange season where it was hard, but also a very sweet, very intimate time with the Lord. And I began to see and experience his fingerprints all over my life. I remember one morning, a few days after the breakup, uh, thinking about how badly I missed her still. That no matter what I would do to try to make things up, it would only push her further away. And, and it was painful. And I remember thinking, man, this sucks to think that she doesn't know how much I still love and care for her. And in that moment, I felt God say, Andrew, that's how I feel about you. I love you. I sent my son to die for you. And yet you would push me away again and again but I'm still here. I won't leave you. My arms are open wide whenever you need them. And I remember that just broke me. And I cried for a long time. I was a mess. This overwhelming love, the, the love of God that hounds you down so that you can't run away anymore. You have nowhere else to run, but straight back into his loving arms. As many have said, you don't realize God is all you need until God is all you have. And so sometimes God will take us to that place where he is all we have. And then we come to find that he's enough. See, our, uh, our desperation, it leads us to recognize that I'm not the hero of my story. God is, and he's dependable. And as you depend on him, I do believe you will find deliverance. Our third D, Paul says, he delivered us from a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. And so even though I was this uh, renewed desire to depend and live for God, life was still hard. It wasn't like the feelings uh, of pain and affliction suddenly went away. I still needed to be delivered from heartache and grief. I still had some big questions. I was in college, so my big two prayer requests were for closure, for these lingering feelings I still had, and for clarity on my career path. I was in a major that I did not see myself uh, a future in, and I felt stuck, and I was wondering, God, what do you want me to do? Well, the following summer, 2012, I did feel compelled to go on a summer's missions trip to Paraguay, right? Mombarete Scholarship, Paraguay, that Paraguay. And my big two prayer requests heading into this season, uh, into this mission trip, were for those two things, for that re the relationship, for closure, and for career. Well, I didn't realize at the time, but on the trip, I do believe God was answering both of these prayers, and they became more and more clear. You see, on the trip, our missionary partner, Peter Cho, he had stomach cancer that year. And the trip was almost canceled. 
They might not have had it, but his daughter, Michelle, ended up stepping in to help the trip happen. And so God ended up giving me closure to move on in my past relationship because I realized Michelle is pretty awesome. And some of you know Michelle. Yeah, she is my wife right now. And so that was a, a, an interesting way to, to answer that prayer. Secondly, on the trip, I also began to think more about what I wanted to do career-wise. And I thought, man, I love doing ministry. I love being with people, being with people and, and talking about God. And I remember sharing with one of the pastors, man, this has been such a great experience. Pastor Christian Hara, I still remember. And he said, oh, really, Andrew? I know what to pray for you about now. I'm going to pray that God would make you a pastor. And I was like, whoa, 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 that's not what I'm asking. That's not what I'm talking about this. But uh, after him sharing that, I, feel, I, I couldn't shake that feeling of, of maybe this is something, God, that you want me to pursue. And so back in the States, a lot, of ha- a lot of things happened. Long story short, ended up dating Michelle. And regarding career, I remember I still had to, I had to ask my parents this hard question. I thought, okay, if I want to be a pastor, I'm going to have to ask them. And my parents are not Christians. So Christian parents don't want their kids to be pastors often, much less non-Christian Asian parents. And so I was fully prepared. This is not going to go well. And they might disown me. They might disown me. And I remember praying, God, if you want me to head down this road, uh, you're going to have to make that clear because I do want to stick around and be a witness to your grace in my parents and my family's life. I do want to be able to reach out to them. And so if they disown me, I'm going to take that as a no. Like, don't be a pastor. But if they're open, then I'm going to walk through that door. Well, they weren't as ecstatic about it. My dad told me later on he couldn't sleep for like two nights straight. But they were open. They were open to it. And they expressed, Andrew, you know, you're an adult. And we trust in how, how you've been raised. You can make your own decisions. And you just have to follow through and live them. And so I took that as an open door. Uh, they're way more, they're fully supportive now. Um, but fast forward now to summer 2016, all right? Four years later, I was in Paraguay again. I was uh, overseeing that team. And one night, we always end our nights debriefing, talking about the day and life. And I remember reflecting and just it hitting me. I was in Paraguay. I was finishing up my last year of seminary to be a pastor. And I did find some time on that specific trip uh, to ask my in-laws, my future in-laws, for their blessing to marry Michelle. It was this full circle moment of God delivering me from those two heavy things on my heart years before in 2012. Now, I'm not sharing this to say every affliction is going to be met with this clear-cut resolution and deliverance. No, sometimes God will provide comfort by delivering you from affliction, but other times he provides comfort that sustains you in your affliction. Right? Remember, affliction, it's more about internal stress, pressures. And so he can deliver peace to you internally, even if your external circumstances haven't changed very much. And of course, in life, even in my life, right, new afflictions are always going to arise. They, they come up on this side of life. But when they do, I do believe we face them with more confidence, having seen and experienced God deliver 
time and time again. Right? He who delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us until we finally reach the other side where we won't need to be comforted anymore because there will be no more sin, no more sorrow, no more suffering. And so because of all of this, God takes us through all of this with our final D so that we might respond in doxology. And so that we might respond in worship, in praise, in thanksgiving. Verse 11, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. The goal of being delivered and comforted and to have others share in that through their companionship and through their prayers, the goal of all of that is so that God might be praised. It's so that we might give thanks to him. You know, I've told my story. I'm the young adult pastor here. A lot of college and young adults uh, who've experienced heartbreak as well. And it has been such a, a special privilege to connect and walk alongside some of these young adults in their heartbreak. To have front row seats to see them experience the comfort of God. And to see God grow their faith. You know, you today consider your greatest strength, your greatest gift to others is perhaps those, the hardest moments in your life. Consider that. The greatest gifts that you have to offer are the moments and times in your life you felt the weakest. You felt the most vulnerable. You experienced tremendous suffering because it's that pain point it's that shame or it's that depression or it's that guilt it's that area for others that you are most qualified to speak into and to offer comfort and this is why second corinthians 12 right talks about uh, that the famous passage of god's power being made perfect in our weakness it's in our weakness it's in your weakness. It's in the place of the worst suffering when you felt like you couldn't do anything where God had to show up and his glory is on full display. And of course, after all, who has more empathy and compassion for someone who's suffering than someone who's experienced it themselves? Right? Who's better able to express how God comfort, comforted them in a similar situation than someone who's walked that path, that same path. And this is why Jesus is such a good comforter, isn't it? Is it not? See, Jesus has walked this path of suffering. He knows it well. He's no stranger to affliction, right? As we say, he's a man of sorrows. And his is the truest story of grace that the suffering servant would be sent by God out of love for us, to catch the tears that run down our faces, that God, that he himself would descend into darkness so that you and I, those who sit in darkness, might enjoy the light of the sun again. Right? What irony, what irony that it would be through suffering. Think about it. It'd be through suffering, Jesus' suffering, Jesus' death on a cross that God would bring healing 
and comfort and salvation to us. Right? Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. I want to leave you with this as we close. You know, it's, it's hard to love, encourage, and comfort people you don't really know well. Right? If you don't know their story, if you don't know their struggles, if you don't know what they went through. And so my hope is that today, as this com- that we would be that type of a community that can be honest, transparent, and vulnerable, real with what we're going through. Because a community that gets deep into each other's stories, I believe we'll experience deep comfort. The comfort of God that we can continue to also pass along that will lead ultimately into his worship, into doxology. Would God make us and grow us into this type of community, this type of comforting community? Let's pray. At this time, I do want to give you a moment to respond, to pray. Maybe today you find yourself in the pit in a season of suffering. Perhaps God is trying to get your attention. Would you, would you pray and ask that you might experience his comfort, that he would meet you there? And for some of us, maybe you've gone through stuff, but you've moved forward. You have a new confidence in God. Would you ask God to reveal sufferers in your life that you might share with? who might need to hear your story. Let's take some time to pray now. Father, Father of all comfort, this morning, some of us may need that really bad. Would you encourage us, strengthen us to keep on going with the comfort that comes from you? that our stories, our suffering isn't random and pointless, but it serves a purpose, perhaps a blessing to others who go through similar things. Use us as your hands and your feet, as your mouthpieces to bring comfort to a hurting world and make us a church where we might all say, Lord, thank you for the comfort that you bring to us through one another. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.